Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Chamonix Centers on Citizens' Rights. I'm Roman Lieber and this is a series of conversations with guest speakers or project team members. Today we are going to talk about our next event, Experiencing Sport Podcast Without Border. It will take place next month. To talk about this, we have here today Dr. Robert Butler. Dr. Butler is a lecturer in the Department of Economics. His research interests are focused on institutional economics and the economics of sport. So thank you for coming today. So can you talk a little bit about this seminar? What is it going to be about exactly? Um, so first, thanks, uh, Roman, for giving the opportunity to, to talk about this event. This is um, a collaboration with Dr. Sean O'Connell in the Department of, or the School of Law, I should say. Uh, so Sean will be involved as well. So what we want to do is... Um, look at, I suppose, the evolution of sports broadcasting in the European Union um, and to look at it from an economic and, and legal perspective, particularly in the context of what we call competition in this market um, over the past couple of decades. And the, the prices that citizens in the European Union are now being expected to pay um, and sort of, I guess, the, the change in, in market structure, first of all, uh, in legal structure, because there's been a number of very important um, uh, European rulings and also the I suppose the evolution of the market from what we call traditional free-to-air um, television services towards uh, this streaming or internet-based internet, internet -based model that, that exists today. Okay very interesting and can you maybe provide uh, an overview of broadcasting in Europe over the, the past 20 years? Sure. Actually, you might even start a little bit further back. If if you go back, I suppose historically into the into the I suppose the nineteen eighties and previous, um, before the advent of what we call kind of satellite TV, the the decision was often made by governments to actually restrict the amount of content that was on um, on on television channels. And and since then, the market has clearly changed because we've gone from a situation where there was too much content and not enough channels to the opposite, where you have an abundance of of television channels uh, who are now looking for content and not just TV now, we have internet and streaming services and so on. Um, and I guess from the point of view of sport, you start to see big changes in the 1990s where sports that were traditionally on free-to-air television move behind the paywall. And we have some notable examples of that in, in Europe, particularly in, in football um, and what's happened since. And then we get a number of significant changes into 2000s where you have landmark rulings by um, European Commission in terms of um, trying to protect citizens' rights. Uh, and in 2006, we see this in the English Premier League in particular, where you have a monopoly that's existed for about 15 years, uh, where a subscription channel holds the rights to all Premier League games. And this monopoly is, is broken up, um, or at least that was the intention of the European Commission. But what we've actually seen, and it's not just in football, now it's across many sports, is that uh, instead of breaking up monopolies, what's actually happened is um, the creation of different monopolies operating in different markets. So the ultimate cause has been not a reduction in prices for consumers, which what we believe was the original intention, but actually a situation where now consumers have to pay higher prices because they're not paying one subscription anymore for the sports they want to watch. They're actually paying two, three, four different subscriptions, whatever the case might be, um, depending on, on what they want to watch. So we uh, we just want to explore that further uh, from a, an Irish and a European context to see how this uh, this market is evolving. All right. 
And can you maybe talk a little bit about the Irish situation? Absolutely. So the Irish situation is uh, is very interesting. There is um, a dynamic with the United Kingdom in terms of Premier League football. But if we now look at the Irish situation in terms of, say, indigenous sport or, or domestic football, so you have uh, a GAA dynamic and you have a, a League of Ireland soccer dynamic as well as other dynamics with terms of horse racing and rugby and golf and so on. But I suppose the, the one that made quite a bit of headlines this summer is is Gaelic Games, because Gaelic Games, um, until very recently, was always shown on free-to-air free television. Historically, actually, very few GA matches were shown uh, on television of any description. That only changed really in the, the late 1990s. Um, but most GA matches until around 2010 were shown on free-to-air television. So as long as you paid your television license and you had access to a screen, you could watch whatever the game might be. Um, that's changed. It changed in 2014 when Sky Sports became um, involved and they put games behind a, a, a paywall. And in more recent times, or very recently, now uh, the relationships with Sky sports has ended but the GA have moved towards a streaming model um, which as I said made quite a, a lot of headlines this summer where um, people had to either pay for what was called a season pass or, or could pay on a game by game basis but it proved to be um, highly unpopular I would say amongst the, the general public um, uh, and uh, you know this went to the Oireachtas and people discussed whether this is, is appropriate Um so on the one hand, you have many people that watch GAA quite upset with the way that the market has evolved. And then you can compare this then to domestic soccer, uh, which is League of Ireland soccer, which also has a, a, a subscription based model uh, where it seems um, anecdotally, at least, that fans are actually very supportive of this model. Um, League of Ireland TV has about 66,000 subscribers. And again, the model is identical in many ways to the GA model in terms of you could buy a season pass or you can pay on a, a game by game basis. The prices are quite similar. Um, so League of Ireland fans appear to be very supportive of the fact that they can watch uh, or stream games of their teams live, whereas the opposite seems to be the case with, with GAA. And you have to try and understand then why is that the case? It could be historic in terms of how the market has evolved. The fact that GA matches were nearly always available on free-to-air TV, whereas League of Ireland games is more limited. Maybe it's to do with the, the actual dynamic of the sport, a, a professional or a semi-professional sport versus an amateur sport. Um, I really don't know. Um, but it is interesting to see that dynamic in Ireland and how that is, uh, that is different for... Um, uh, two different field sports. Okay, and to come back to the research focus of the Jean Monnet, uh, that is to investigate how EU-derived rights can contribute to the EU's legitimacy while adopting a citizen perspective. Uh, can you tell us, in the context of consumer rights within sport, uh, how uh, would you say that citizens can actually use EU-derived rights? Sure, I I guess this, uh, the little irony in this, of course, is that we believe that the, the landmark European Commission decision in 2006 to try and break up these monopolies was the, the intention was to protect the rights of consumers. Because, I mean, an economics textbook would teach you that monopolies charge higher prices and produce a, a lower amount of content than competition. And as you move towards more and more competition, ultimately ending what we call perfect competition, the right of the consumer is maximised, might be the best way of putting it. Um, but I guess what we're seeing in this market is quite the opposite, um, where 
we believe that further intervention is required. And I think you're seeing this as well in terms of streaming and um, I guess uh, illegal streaming and sporting organisations calling for action from uh, European institutions to try and protect not just their rights, but the rights of the um, the providers of this uh, uh content uh, to protect their intellectual property rights. So I think it's it's a really interesting um, area to explore because maybe the intention of these decisions originally is not what has actually been um, the result. Um, and, and maybe it's something that does need to be revisited uh, by the European institutions. Well, thank you, Robert, for coming. It was really a pleasure receiving you. And thank you for listening. This seminar will take place Wednesdays at 20th of September at the School of Law UCC from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. You can register on our website, type UCC European Integration, then click on Germany Center of Excellence. You can also check on LinkedIn. See you next month.